I really wrote it in one night. It just came to me, this idea of a sad chinchilla, and I started writing the rhymes, and it just all came together. And so for me, I often struggle with that. Like, how do I teach someone else to do this when I feel like the story was kind of a gift that was given to me? Welcome to the Future Podcast. My name is Greg Gunn, and I'm not only the producer of the show, but also your temporary intro reader during these strange pandemic times. Chris and I usually talk about the episode up front together, but today it's just me. You're stuck with me. I know, I don't, I don't like it either. Now we've got two guests on the show today, a team, if you will, and together they've written, illustrated, and published two successful children's books that shine a light on the importance of teaching empathy to both parents and their kids. These two solopreneurs share how their truly collaborative spirit works, the perks and perils of social media, and the unintended benefits of pursuing that side project that you just can't stop thinking about. If you're a parent, a teacher, or just curious about how publishing works, then you are in for a wonderful treat. And if you're none of those things, don't worry about it. Stick around anyway, because there's always something to learn. Please enjoy our conversation with Beth Stafford and Jeremy Slagle. The first thing I'm going to just ask is uh, for you guys to introduce yourself and give us a little background as to who you are. I'm Beth Stafford. I am a graphic designer professionally, but I also have written some children's books on the side. And so those books are called Chin Up Chinchilla and Hip Hooray Hippo. <laughs> uh, I'm Jeremy Slagle. I'm a graphic designer and illustrator. I do a lot of work in branding. Uh, always wanted to do a children's book, illustrated children's book. I had uh, trouble reading when I was little, so uh, picture books always resonated with me. Uh, and I just love that style of illustration. So um, ha had an opportunity to work with Beth on it. And we ran two uh, successful Kickstarter campaigns. So that kind of brings us to where we are today. Yeah, your latest Kickstarter project. I think it's still ongoing, right? It's done. Last night, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's done. Okay, so you hit your pledge goals. Yes. That's, that's amazing. Congratulations, Thank first you. of all. Thank you. Yeah, so I have a lot of questions, but I know that you were on a, a podcast, a friend of mine, Dan Gibbs. So I don't want to retread. I Great. don't want to retread. And if there's things that you've talked about and other things, uh, which I haven't seen, I don't want to go there either. So what what makes the most sense for us to kind of talk about? Because I have a thousand questions, but you guys know more than I do, like where this conversation should go. Yeah, I think there are two main things that have come from this project. And one is just talking about empathy and the different ways that we can empathize with other people, whether it be in their sadness or happiness. And to us, that's probably the most important thing. And the other thing that we've really learned is just how do you partner with somebody to work on something successfully and still like each other in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no easy task. You laugh, but it's no easy task, right? Yeah, I would say the other thing is uh, that might be worth touching on is kind of like the unintended benefits of doing a side project like this. Um, you know, neither of us did this project to get rich. I mean, we're basically covering the cost of books and shipping, and, and we're just doing it to do it. It's not, this is not a, neither of us want to stop doing graphic design and, and start doing children's books. 
Um, and so it really is a side project and, a, and a, something that we just want to do for fun. But what's been really cool from an unintended side effects is, uh, uh, is that I've had opportunities now to like speak at major conferences and do workshops that, you know, I learned so many tools and tricks and tips and things that I kind of pushed myself uh, to do to create the book that I had a wealth of information and now I'm doing workshops and it's been really, really great. So, you know, the things like that uh, have been, you know, things that I hadn't anticipated, but they've been real beneficial. So that's great. So that sounds like some uh, like three pillars in which we can use to guide us through this conversation. So I guess the first question I have for you is of all the things you could talk about, why is empathy so important to either one of you or both of you? I think for me as a parent, I approach my parenting in a way that I'm thinking, what is something that I find so important now as an adult that I can really see clearly how much it matters? Or what is something that I really struggle with that I want to make better for my child moving forward? And so when I saw my daughter starting to show signs of empathy towards others, I thought, yes, that is so important to me. I want her to look at other people and care about them and care about how they're feeling and be able to relate to them. And so my initial goal in writing the book was just to write it for her, to say, this is what I want you to be when you grow up. I want you to be a person who loves people well. And so I wrote it, and then I started talking to other parents in there telling me, yes, I would love to have this story as well. And so that gave me this confidence that there was a need for it, that other parents also want to try to do the same thing. Take something simple, like a story, but use it as a tool to bring about a greater good and to hopefully give their kids the resources they need to be better adults when they grow up. Mm. It sounds to me like your did your daughter inspire the story because you saw this trait in her? <laughs> she did. She would watch TV and like she would see Tinkerbell in a perilous situation and she would go, oh no, Tinkerbell. Like I could see it in her face. Yeah. This She was taking on the same emotions that she was seeing portrayed in the show. And even now, we'll be playing a game together and my turn won't go so well. And she'll say things to me like, I'm sorry, mommy, I know that must make you feel really frustrated. Aww. And I just think, yes, like, that's the way I want you to feel instead of only thinking about yourself. Yeah, she'd probably make a great therapist one day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's required, you know, that empathy. Okay, so she, she, you, you're watch, watching your daughter kind of uh, observing her as she interacts with the world. And that's a spark for an idea. So you write the story. How is this story first translated into a form that you can share with people? Did you post this as a blog or is it just something you told people? I just personally told people. I would be sitting with a friend at lunch and I would say, I had this idea for a book. Do you care if I read it to you? And then I would read it to them and I would be able to just see their expressions and see how they were taking it in. Um, and so that's just basically what I did very organically as I was sitting with people, I would just bring it up and ask if they were interested to hear about it. And every time people would say, yes, I hope that you really make this book, please really make this book, which I mean, you have to, I mean, if you've ever watched American Idol and you see people come on there who think that they're so great, that they have a great voice and it's just because their parents encourage them. I mean, there's always a part of you that thinks, are you just saying you like this because right. you're my friend? But I genuinely thought it was a quality story that people really were connecting with. Mm -hmm. So now let's connect this to Jeremy. 
where does he come into this story and, and how does this begin? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm really good friends with Beth's husband, Ben, and we were hanging out at, a, uh, at the Creative South conference probably three years ago now, uh, hanging out at dinner. And he, you know, sometimes we as designers show each other what we're working on or side projects. And he pulled his phone up and he's like, hey, my wife wrote this really cute story and I'm doing some illustrations for it. And he showed them to me and I was like, oh, I was so jealous because I've always wanted to do a children's book. Uh, and so I, uh, I was like, these are great, Ben. These are really, really good. And they were. Uh, and then we had Beth and Ben on my, uh, on my podcast about, I don't know, six months later, maybe a year later. And I just, we, we went out for tacos afterwards and I just said, hey, how's that, that book going? And they kind of looked at each other and then Beth looked over at me and she's like, uh, do you want to illustrate it? And I was just, yeah, I was taken aback a little bit. Uh, was not expecting that as an answer. So, um, yeah, so I was like, yes. And she's like, well, maybe we should talk about like, you know, it's probably not going to make a lot of money and it's probably, you know, we, we should probably talk. And I'm like, no, yes, I, I'm not, I don't really care about any of that. I just want to work with you on it. The story's so great. Um, it, I remember it, uh, really connecting with it when Ben shared it with me and I just, I just wanted to do it. So, mm, yeah. Okay. So Beth, take us to the, the trouble in paradise. What happened? Oh, you mean with Ben? Yeah. <laughs> You're still married, you know, right? Yes, we are. Okay, yes. all right. Um, no, it was just really, you know, it's one of those things like people assume you have the skill set. He's an illustrator. And so they assume that you can just do anything. And really, he would draw something and I'd be like, that's perfect. That's what I, yes, that's great. And he'd be like, no, I don't, yeah, it's not good for me. <laughs> Then he would do something and I would be like, oh, but that's not quite what I had wanted. And I think it got to the point where he felt like he was holding up the process because he wasn't getting it where he wanted it on his end. And so at one point he's just like, you know what? I just think you should find someone else. And so I sat on that story for a year or more without having anybody to illustrate it. And I knew it was just something I was going to have to wait for and you know, save up my money and find the right person. And so when we connected with Jeremy and he was talking about always wanting to do a children's book, I'm just sitting there like, maybe I should just bring it up. I mean, what's the worst he can do is say no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when your husband, Ben tells you, I think due to his perfectionism or yes. whatever that is, yes. how did that make you feel when he said like, I think you need to find somebody else? Um, you know, there, it's a mixture of disappointment because I would love to be the next, what, Stan and Jan Berenstein. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would have been awesome to, to be able to partner with him on it because he is so talented and I know that he would do a great job. But there was also something freeing about that too, that I didn't have to wait for him to fit it into a schedule or wait for him to get to a spot where he was happy with it. I could just take it and see if I could still make it a thing because I don't think he wanted it to die. And essentially that's probably what would happen if I was just continually waiting for him and he wasn't fulfilling his needs through the process. So you were disappointed, uh, but you, I mean, did it feel like, well, at least you're telling me now, so I'm not just, so this yes. doesn't become some kind of bitter thing between the two of us? Yeah, because I didn't want to keep, I think every time I'd say, so are we going to work on that? I think he just felt a lot of guilt uh, and he didn't want that to be part of our experience with it. And he, and 
because we work in this field, the creative field, we know there are so many talented people out there. And a lot of them we're friends with, people that we know. And so if we were going to have someone do it, it's not like we wouldn't know where to start. It would just be a factor of who would be interested and how would we afford it and all those different details. Okay. So disappointment and then a year later turns into opportunity. And so you, you're like, what do I have to lose if I ask Jeremy? And secretly, kind of unbeknownst to you, he's like, man, I, I wanted to do a project like that, right? Yes. So we, we all can learn something here. It's like these kind of unspoken ideas that kind of just are left lingering. This is the, the classic formula for most Hollywood films, right? Where one person needs to say, like, don't leave. And the other person's like, I just need you to hug me right now. And nobody does anything. And then they split up and then reunite 20 years later. Luckily for you guys, it only took a year to figure this out. And so you guys are working together. What's the working relationship like then? Awesome. Uh, (laughs) Beth's like uh, one of the most organized, uh, just on the ball people I've ever worked with in my life. I mean, I am, I'm in some ways kind of like uh, the typical designer where I'm just kind of like just designing stuff and throwing it at her. And she's the one who's like, okay, I'm going to make sure we have the ISBN number. I'm going to reach out for this. I'm going to make sure that, you know, and she, and we've been using Dropbox paper uh, because we live an hour and a half apart. So we use uh, Dropbox paper to kind of organize all of our stuff and make sure we're on the same page. Um, It's a great tool for that. And, um, but she is just on it. She is just totally on it. She's been running all the social media for everything. Um, Because she's also a talented designer in her own right, uh, she has the ability to take, um, you know, basically my illustrations that we're, we have in a shared Dropbox. And then all of a sudden I see like all of these Instagram posts popping up where she's basically typesetting and writing headlines and dropping our characters into them. And it's like, it's just been a really great, uh, partnership in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think what is a benefit to us is that we have a lot of similar standards. Like we have very high standards. We want this to be great, but we have very different strengths that help us achieve those goals. So it's not like we both have the same weaknesses and then we can't accomplish certain things. I think that because we complement each other, it really fills in those gaps. Yeah, we defer to each other a lot too. I mean, if it's something that I feel passionate about, she'll she'll usually defer to me. And if, if it's something I can tell she feels passionate about, but we, we get along really, really well. It's been a great partnership. So it sounds to me like via distance-based technology, and it's very relevant to what's going on right now, you guys were able to collaborate in a very seamless way. And I don't hear that many people who love Dropbox paper as much as I do. So it's kind of nice. I'm like, oh, there's another person, a kindred spirit. It is awesome. And uh, isn't it? Yes. And, and, you know, I know there are a lot of other options out there, but they're not intuitive. There are too many features and it just, yeah. Well, we'll go. That's a story for a different day. But it sounded like you were working in the kind of true collaborative spirit where images inspire layout and layout inspires images and you guys are ping ponging back and forth. And then this book is born. Yep. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about how the Kickstarter project went. And assuming that was your first Kickstarter project uh, for the first book was Chin Up Chinchilla. And what did you do to prepare for this? Uh, What were kinds of uh, the lessons that you learned from doing it and the pitfalls that you may or may not have stepped into? Um, we reached out to a lot of people. We definitely did our homework. There's loads and loads of blog posts and websites where people are basically saying, here's some great rules to follow. Um, here's kind of some metrics as far as how long your video should be or 
or you know just just different things to keep in mind for your messaging and you know signs of a or, or attributes of a uh, successful Kickstarter type thing. So we followed all of that stuff, but we also reached out to people that we've uh, that we know and 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 have run successful campaigns in the past and just listened, and it was really helpful. Were there any strategies that you applied or things that didn't work out the way you expected, either good or bad? Um, I think we had a lot of our stuff together before we started. It wasn't like we decided we we're going to run a Kickstarter and then if it got funded, then we would do the art sort of thing. Um, so we had a lot of work done before the Kickstarter ever was launched. We were probably mm -hmm. 60 or 70 percent done with all the illustrations. Um, we did a ton of work. And I think part of it's because we knew between the two of us, we just wanted to get a book printed and in people's hands. And I remember Beth saying at one point in time, listen, if this thing doesn't get funded, I'll just go out and get something printed so I have one in my hand. Uh, and so the, you know, for us, it was like, we're going to do this book regardless. It's, this is what right. we want to do. So, um, yeah. So I think part of it for us was making sure we had a pro a viable product. We had it vetted. We ran it through a bunch of people. We got some great feedback from people. We met, talked with child psychologists. We talked with children's book. Uh, uh, cr there are people out there that crit critique children's books mm. uh, and mm. uh, one at a local college here. And she gave us some feedback, uh, some of which we took. And uh, and so it was it was really great. And so, yeah, a lot of it was reaching outside of ourselves for for help. Yeah, so I, I think I want to tie this to something that Beth said earlier, that sometimes your friends and your family will tell you what they think you want to hear, and you're not quite sure if that's like something you could go to the bank with. So the idea of product validation, Kickstarter, I love, because it's like, is there a real demand for this thing or not? Or is it just five friends that love me and that's what they want? And I'll still do it, but... And then you, you, you try it out and you never know what's going to happen. It could exceed your dreams or it could just fall short and be a little disappointing. But I think it's a great way for anybody that has an idea to kind of test it first. And a great way to test it is through Kickstarter. Put your money where your mouth is and let's see what happens. Now, I have to ask a couple of questions here before I forget. Do either one of you have like a huge social following to kind of put behind this project so that it can get the attention that it needs? Not really on social media. I actually. I'm looking at your faces. I can read it. No, yeah. I actually have a private account. Of, oh my god, you're one of those people. I gotta talk to you about that people. in a second. Yeah, you have a private account. Well, I do. It. I mostly just post pictures of my kid. You know, okay. and there's some security reasons of why I have it on private. Um, but I think most people wouldn't even really want to follow me. Uh, I'm not posting work things to inspire. It's just mostly pics of. Rue. So <laughs> I have it on private. So really, I don't have that many. And uh, we created a totally separate account for people to follow, Okay. Um, to follow the book progress. And mm -hmm. so we could tell our friends about that. I would say Jeremy has a bigger following than I do. Um, but I don't think that he really... Well, I'll let you talk about it yourself. Yeah, Jeremy. let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of social media. I'll just be completely honest. Oh no! I know, I okay. know, and I know who two I'm, strikes on you guys right I now. I know okay, who I'm talking to, so I'm totally willing to, <laughs> to hear it back from you. But I'm okay. I'm not a big fan just because I feel like it's a in and out. I feel like I've gotten better about who I follow, and and but I just feel like it's mm -hmm. just a giant gripe session, and I it it bums really? me out. Yeah, sometimes okay. I just. I don't need that in my life. Um, I right. do post work on it every once in a while. I usually usually use it mostly for 
like posting blog posts that I've got on my website to kind of draw people back to my site. My, I spend more time on my website and then I do on social media, I rank really, really high on Google for some reason. And I, I wish I mm-hmm. could tell you how, but I do uh, locally, especially in, in the area that I work, do a lot of my work in. So yeah. um, I just don't spend a lot of time there. I'm a dad. I'm, I've got like two high school kids that are involved in theater mm-hmm. and in the arts and in varsity athletics. And so like I, I'm constantly chasing after them and Usually, you know, after five o'clock, it's phones down. We don't, we don't, I'm not flipping through Twitter. I, I just, I just don't do it. I, okay. I don't have time for it. But I mean, I do have a, a social media presence. It's there. I couldn't tell you how many followers I have on any of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, you know, I'd say of all of them, I, I like to hang out on Instagram the most just because I feel like people are nicer to each other and less gripey about stuff. And I'm just looking at, at cool art at that point so yeah yeah okay all right now without revealing our respective ages i'm gonna suspect we're both in a similar age group here jeremy but beth you look a lot younger so thank you i just get this feeling i just get this feeling that the this stuff is for like for young people but for older people i'm not saying we're old but just older people we kind of have to figure this stuff out because we're gonna get left behind this digital divide you guys both seem very social and outgoing. You talk about like being an hour and a half away, but one of your best friends is Ben. So you, you make an effort there. And I think where social media uh, has some problems is that people don't behave in the way that they do in real life. You would not walk up to somebody and say, that's stupid, you're dumb and shut the F up or something. You just wouldn't do that because people are not that brave in public, right? But they hide behind the wall of anonymity, especially on Twitter, and it's it, and you're right. There is a general like negative pool on on Twitter where people just rant on stuff because they feel free to express that, and when they do, more people like it. So it just kind of rewards that. Whereas I think on Instagram, it's a visual place, and don't follow somebody if you don't like them. And it's kind of nice to to see a piece of work that is inspiring, or to hear a message that's uplifting, or to show some compassion or generosity. But here's the danger where both of you or myself are are maybe in if we don't pay attention to this kind of stuff because you'll see this happen. People of lesser talent will get the lion's share of the work and the attention where people like yourselves who have been in the business for a while, who are have integrity, uh, who do good work, who who charge a reasonable rate and uh, service your clients well, you're going to get forgotten about. It's just the way the attention works. So I, I think learning to play the game is just as important as any other facet of your marketing or sales operation. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I just, uh, I haven't been able to figure out how to integrate it. Uh, I, you know, both Beth and I are solopreneurs. We, we both basically work by ourselves for ourselves. So I, mm-hmm. you know, everything from invoicing to writing uh, contracts, like we do everything soup to nuts. So um, right. it's just for me, there's so much to do. And then after hours, there's just so much that I can do with my family. And I, you know, it is on the, on the, I, I hear what you're saying, but for me personally, it's, it's hard to figure out where that fits into my day. Right. Um, Seth Godin talks about this because people ask him about this all the time. I think he's written some like 18 or 19 books, right? They ask him like, 
what's what's the order? How do I do this? And because I want to launch my book, and he says, don't wait to build your audience until after you've written a book. You should be building your audience before you even think about writing a book. Totally, and this is really important. And we can see this because. Uh, when you guys went to to start your Kickstarter project, it's just relying on word of mouth or friends to help you push it because you don't have this audience that's hungry for your content. But I also、mm-hmm. think there's another super valuable thing on social media, and then I'll get off my social media soapbox, which is you could be testing your ideas with them. Well, like people think, like why why do I make a certain video or make a certain piece of content? Because I'm always product testing all the time. I put out an idea. If there's a strong reaction, positive or negative, it guides what I do next. Oh yeah, no. I, I one thing I th- I will say is that we have the the people that I do follow and the people that do follow、mm-hmm. me. I typically know,、um, and a lot of them are very active on social media. So we got a ton of traction because people just loved our product so much that they shared it themselves.、Um, I see. And so we had a lot of influencers, especially in the design and creative community, that just came out. In spades when our books launch and just share it, share、yeah. it, share it. So、um, you know anybody that knows anything about Kickstarter knows that you don't just put it up on Kickstarter and sit back and wait for it to happen. It is the people that directly follow you and maybe one generation beyond that that actually、um, that actually purchases. And so one thing has that has been nice also is that、mm-hmm. we've. I've gotten a lot more followers, even though I don't push out a lot of content. A lot of people have seen what we're doing, and they are following me,、uh, which means、yeah. I probably then should start pushing out more content. I want to see creative people do well, especially you guys who are solopreneurs. You you have to play every role from, like you said, from marketing all the way through.、Uh, here's the invoice,、yep. sir, ma'am.、Yep. You know, and you're doing it all, and it's important when, especially in times like this, when the work starts to dry up、mm-hmm. and people start to get really pensive about like spending more money.、Mm-hmm. It's like whoever has the attention is is going to get the lion's share of the opportunities. You can turn them all down, but at least you have the the option to turn people down. You're very、right? you're very right. And and you are actually doing a form of this already because you're making content via the podcast. Yes. You're creating content to help people in their journey, and your book—you could even argue that your book is a form of content marketing. Yes. Right.、Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so you guys work together. It seems like two peas in a pod. There's, there's no friction there. Zero. Everything's going swimmingly.、Yep. You, you, you launch a project. It's funded. Everything is great. You, you put out the book. Now, you said something that I have to kind of circle back to, which is, we're not looking to to do this as a business. It's meant to be a side project. It's a passion thing. Uh, that goes against like everything in my brain, so I have to talk to you about that a little bit. Great, like what? You know, it's cool to do something you love. Yep. But wouldn't it be cooler to do that forever? Oh, I'm not make a living doing it. But, but I'm I'm not sure I love doing children's books more than I like doing graphic design. So, you know, it it is it really is something that to me it's it's such a great message. I think if if it wasn't the story that she had, I'm not sure I would have gotten behind it like I did. So it really is about getting that message out,、um, and so, you know, and for me, the, what I did do from a like business standpoint is I looked at it and said, what are the things I want to learn to do better in Illustrator? What are the skill set the skill sets that I'm lacking when it comes to being a good illustrator? So I pulled mood boards and I did all this, you know, I did in the same way that I would pull mood boards for a brand.、Uh, I did the same thing for. Uh, storybook design and children's book design, and said, "How do I make Illustrator work this way?" And so I did 
looked up tons of tutorials, did lots of, spent a lot of time on Skillshare, taught myself some new skills. And now those skills are, are great because I can integrate them into the other illustration and design work that I do. So that's the big, that's one of the big benefits to me. It's not necessarily yeah. about making bank on it. And, and all that to yep. say, we'd love to make mm -hmm. bank on it. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I would yeah. love to, I mean, I would, I think it would be great if one of the things we've talked about in the past, and we've talked with children's book publishing folks, it would be if somebody called us up and said, Hey, we love your books. We'd love to publish this and, and we'd love to be able to distribute it and get it in the hands of a million kids. That would be great. We'd love to make some money doing that, mm -hmm. but that's not been our motivation for doing it at all. Oh, okay. Making notes here. Oh my gosh, this is going to spin out of control in a second. So, Beth, did you? I mean, would you be happy making illustrate uh, books for 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 children? I think I would enjoy it. I yeah. I love children's books. Mm -hmm. Like that's the section I go into if I go into a bookstore. Like mm -hmm. that's where I first go. I just love them, and so I think I would really enjoy it. Um, but I think for me, I remember when I got my first graphic design job and I was being interviewed and my boss asked me what would be like my ideal job. And I said, I would love to just work for nonprofit organizations and help them spread their message. And she told me, well, good luck because they don't pay anything. <laughs> I mean, it was basically like, a, that sounds nice, but in reality, they don't have money to pay you to, you know. So I felt like this is a way where I can do something that makes a difference. And yes, I might not be getting paid a bunch of money, but it's fulfilling that need for me to use my skills and talents to do something that has a greater message because not every client is going to give you that opportunity. Sometimes they're just selling soap, you know, sometimes yeah. they're just trying to sell you something that is, you know, important, but might not have a greater message to it. Soap is very right, important I just say right for, now. Right. I was just going to say that soap <laughs> is critical it's right just now. just toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you know, like toilet paper or soap, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got to keep it in the times, right? Okay, uh, so so many things to think about here. Uh, the first thing is about passive income. That I think one of the things that I try to like help people with is it, it, it's nice to get paid to do what you love. Mm -hmm. It's even nicer to get paid when you're sleeping, mm -hmm. when you're eating, when you're washing the car. And it's it's the dream, isn't it, for creative people? Like mm -hmm. I made this thing; it's so good. People keep paying me money for it forever, mm -hmm. and that's really cool concept so if the book became that for you even if it wasn't a giant amount of money like say a few thousand dollars a month i mean what could you do with that and what kind of freedom would that give you so it's something to think about uh, jeremy you said this thing about it'd be nice if a publisher came and swept you off your feet and said look we'll sell a million copies for you let's just we'll take care of everything you guys just dream up projects that you like right so i want to share a little story with you about 10 years ago uh I want to write a book. I don't even know what to write about, but I want to write a book. And a friend of mine introduces me to a publisher, uh, like Focal Press, uh, which I, writes like really technical books, but uh, it's just the standard for technical books to, to learn about, say, After Effects or editing or something like that. So I, I got their contact information. And the first thing they do is send me a form. And the form's like, tell us your pitch and give us sample pages. Tell us the, what the table of contents looks like. And that just made my brain melt because mm -hmm. I'm not a guy who likes to fill in forms. I just feel like, God, this is not the right publisher for me. So the idea of publishing a book dies. And it's many, many years later where I'm now doing this content on the Internet and people keep saying, Chris, we love what you say. Can you can you put together a book? I'm like, no, it's a lot of work, man. I don't want to do that. 
So I was wrestling in my mind, need versus want. And, and feel free to chime in here where I don't want to write a book. And then for that reason, to make a book, I only want to do it if there's a need for the book. Mm-hmm. So hence the Kickstarter project. Like I basically wrote 10 pages and that was a mistake. But and we asked people, do you do you want to fund this or not? And the, it was overwhelmingly yes. Like we raised two and a half times our goal. So I'm like, shoot, now I have to write the book. This is really what they what they want. So let's do that. But here's the cool thing. Afterwards, a publisher reaches out to me. And it's like, we want to publish your book. So the whole thing has come full circle because we see that you have a following and that it makes it a lot easier for us to to gamble that this is going to work out. Because believe it or not, it's kind of like a hits industry. There's a lot of failures and it's a gamble for us every single time. Yep. So that's another reason for you guys to be strong and social. But let me let me ask you this question about need versus want. Like you guys wanted to do this no matter what. See, this is where my business brain's like, mm, <laughs> no, there's other things you could do. But okay. So do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Go ahead, Beth. <laughs> Unless you have nothing to say. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I think for me, it was, like I said, it was just something I wanted to make for my kid. Yeah. Um, and I believe that people would want it, but even if they didn't, I, I wanted it. I wanted to give her something. So to me, it was very personal. And I think that's one reason why I've really enjoyed working with Jeremy, because he also sees it as something personal. It's fulfilling something personally for him. And so neither one of us are really forcing the other one to do anything they don't feel comfortable with and and to me it's just like a cherry on top that other people care about it too yeah and and to go back to what you were saying earlier one of the things that we've done is every penny that we've made when we've sold the books whatever was left over at the end of the first kickstarter every time we've sold a book off our website we just keep it all in a big fund and so we sold through our first printing of the first book and we just basically decided let's Let's roll it into buying a, a second printing of the first book. And now we, we, offer it, uh, we offered it on the Kickstarter as you can buy the set because we already got the other ones printed. But I think for us, it's not about not wanting to make money off it. I don't want it to come across saying that we don't want to make money off of it. We do. It would be great. Uh, but it's just not mm-hmm. our primary motivation for why we did it in the first place. I would love right. for people to, to, to find the book. I would love people to buy the book. I'd love for us not to have to go through a publisher and be able to sell it direct all day long. That would be great for us. Um, and so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want it to come across sounding like I don't see this as an entrepreneurial opportunity. It's just not the main mm-hmm. motivation for why we did it. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as need versus want, like I have plenty. As far as my business goes, I, I just celebrated 10 years of doing design and illustration on my own. And I couldn't ask for a better job. I couldn't ask for mm. a better situation. I've, I've been really blessed in that way. So for me, I also, uh, I don't really have any intention of making it any bigger than I, I like it just being me. Um, and so for me, it's like, it was an opportunity to do something to kind of get something off my chest or get something that I just really wanted to do out. And, and it's always been something that I've worked on in the margins. It's something that like Beth and I'll talk about it and nothing will happen for four months. And then all of a sudden, she starts getting pencil sketches off my iPad Pro and Procreate, filling up her in, in her inbox. And she's like, whoa, where'd this come from? You know. And so like, 
it's been a project where it fills the gaps when I have some time. I was on a walk with my wife this morning and I said, you know what I really realized about myself is to me, it doesn't matter, you know, when I look at my to-do list, whether it's a high paying job, a medium paying job, or even just something I'm doing for myself, whether it's, you know, cleaning off my server and, and, you know, or updating my website, like I have to have something to do. And so for me, it filled that gap of something to do uh, when work slowed down or clients weren't getting back with me. Very interesting. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey, Ben Burns from the future here. If you don't recognize my voice, you might know me from our YouTube channel as the friendly guy with the big beard. Yep, that's me. Listen, the future's mission is to teach a billion creatives how to make money doing what they love without feeling gross about it. And let's be honest, historically, we creative types are great at producing the work, but not so great at running the business, especially when it comes to things like sales, marketing, and money. I know, personally, I used to struggle with all of those. Now, fortunately for you though, we have a slew of courses and products designed specifically to help you run your business better. These are tools like the Complete Case Study and the Perfect Proposal. These things are there to help you attract new clients and then wow them with a thorough and professional presentation. Now, you can go even deeper with one of our business courses like Project Management, How to Find Clients, and the Intensive Business Bootcamp. Check out all of our courses and products about running a creative business by visiting thefuture.com slash business. Welcome back to our conversation with Beth Stafford and Jeremy Slagle. Okay, so if you're just joining us or tuning in for whatever reason, jumping in late or whatever, I'm talking to Jeremy and Beth, and they wrote two books. One is called Chin Up Chinchilla, and the other is Hip Hooray Hippo. Did I get that right? Yes. You did. Okay. So I know you just said it'd be great to have a publisher, and then you don't want a publisher, but I'm just going to say this <laughs> I guess because we're open I, to I, yeah, well, maybe we'll edit that other part out, but I'll just say, hey, if you're a publisher listening to this and you want to really get uh, your hands on on two amazing uh, products like these children's books that uh, Jeremy and Beth have worked on and you want to help further their endeavor, I'm sure they'd be open to having a conversation with you. I just wanted to say that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we, we, we okay, let's talk about uh, the third thing because uh, I'm looking at the time here. Um, the third thing I want to talk about is the unintended benefits. You write the book. And so what happens mm -hmm. after? What, what didn't you plan on that's happening that's really cool? For me, I've had several opportunities to take the book to a school or a library, and I just get to read it and talk to kids about it. One of the things we did is we put questions in the back of the book that enable teachers and parents to be able to ask questions to kids to get them thinking about empathy and so I get to do that in person. And that has been the greatest joy. I love seeing videos from people who have given it to their kids and their kids are memorizing it because it's very simple and it rhymes. Mm -hmm. And so kids can read it a few times and then they get it. And I love seeing these little kids reading this book out loud. There's just so much joy in seeing the actual kids who are being impacted by the book. And then just hearing stories from parents who say, this has actually been really helpful for walking our family through a difficult time or yes. this is great talking to my students in my class because I need a resource on how to talk about 
being kind to other people and caring about people. And so not only do I get to do that, but I also get to talk to kids about creativity. Like I had this idea to make a book. I've loved writing since I was a kid. And so I didn't give up and I had this idea and it's a good idea and you shouldn't give up if you have ideas and things like that. So Mm -hmm. there's just so many facets of encouraging, teaching, and even just learning from the kids that I'm talking to that has been so rewarding. Yeah. You know, I I have to just point this out. You have a great uh, speaking smile voice. I'm I'm sure our audience can hear this and (laughs) I can see you and she is smiling the whole time she's talking. So I think you you would make an excellent person to read the book. So I have a question for you. you. Is there an audio book version already? There is not an audio book version. Shoot, what are you waiting for? I mean, just to be able to hear your voice, read it and and kind of bring the words to life. There's the word that's inside or the sound that's inside your head. But then I think that would be great. And since you like doing that, why not just read the book? That's a great idea. Yeah. So here's my second question. What about a book writing workshop for kids? That is also a great idea. Well, you know, it's it's really hard. I think um, I know there are authors who say when they write something, it's like, it's begging to be written. And it's almost like an idea is given to them and they have to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how this book was for me. I didn't sit and like labor over how what kind of a story could I write. It was almost like I really wrote it in one night. It just came to me, this idea of a sad chinchilla, and I started writing the rhymes. And it just all came together. And so for me, I often struggle with that. Like, how do I teach someone else to do this when I feel like the story was kind of a gift that was given Uh to me? And even though I've written a second one and there's a third one that could happen maybe someday, it's, it wasn't as though I, I had a structured plan on how to do it. Um, I knew the idea I wanted to convey. I love alliteration. So chin up chinchilla and hip hooray hippo and things like that are things that I love. Um, But I think I always struggle knowing how do I turn that into a teachable moment on how to do what I did when I'm not even Mm -hmm. sure how I did what I did. (laughs) Okay, I can help you. Yeah. Because I'm listening to this. I'm like, huh. What if your first prompt was pick an unusual animal? Yes. and, And give your animal a name using alliteration. Right. And then give that animal an emotion that you're feeling sometimes. And then that's like three, you know, three eighths of the way there. It's like chin up chinchilla and it's dealing with sadness or empathy or whatever it is. And then and then all stories need this. So let's invent that. Right. Um, And then that's the conflict and they have to kind of solve that problem. It doesn't have to be a great thing, but just to get children to think about writing stories. And it's just it doesn't have to be an amazing work of art, you know, but just. Hey, this is kind of cool. And I could do it too. One thing that was very fun is when I went to one school, I gave them a prompt, like write a letter to the chinchilla, telling them about a time that you felt the way the chinchilla felt. Because what we try to do in this book is take kids through all different kinds of scenarios that could cause sadness, pain, being afraid, being disappointed. And... So I got all these letters from kids. Dear Mr. Chinchilla, I'm so sorry to hear you lost your pet. One time I lost my cat and I couldn't find him. And so mm. in writing the letter, they were forced to think about the times where they experienced those same things. So it really was an exercise in empathy. But I love what you're saying. And I think because you gave me the idea, I, I owe you a cut of any proceeds I make on those <laughs> workshops. 
<laughs> well, to make sure that the cut is meaningful, I'm going to have to help you with the business part because you guys love to just do stuff and <laughs> maybe money happens, maybe it doesn't. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, so Jeremy, I want to turn it over to you. What, what are some of the unintended uh, consequences or benefits of doing this? Well, yeah, uh, when we were putting together our rewards packages, um, we kind of had a book. And so we were like, well, we could offer like stickers with the book. In the first book, uh, one of our main characters has a blanket and, and it's a hedgehog. So it's a little tiny animal and it has a blanket. And we ran into someone from Jack Prince and they're like, you know, we print bandanas. So we actually have a bandana that went with the first book as one of the rewards that looks like a little blanket. It's super cute. But anyways, as we were going through and thinking through our rewards and what offerings we would do, uh, Beth was like, well, why don't, why don't you, you know, you learned a lot through this. Why don't you offer up like a workshop, an online live workshop? So we did that and mm. uh, got got a few takers on it. And so I, all of a sudden I realized like, oh, crap, like I'm not just going to show up and be like, hey, what am I going to do? So I, I spent days, like days putting together this uh, walkthrough, like here's here's what how you use illustrator brushes here's how you make them with ink and brushes and sticks and twigs and all that and then um i presented it and i got so much joy from presenting it i actually had a total blast uh and the people that that did it online said man you just ought to do something with this and i was like yeah i probably should considering how many hours i spend into it to give it once uh so i just uh found a local space here in town and uh, put it out there. And last summer I packed a house and gave a workshop and it was great. It was, it was awesome. I love being hands-on. I like being in the room with people. Uh, and we just got our hands dirty with paint and, and did the workshop. And then I've had lots of opportunities to do that. I'm, I've done it at a conference in Dallas last year. I did it at a, a design school here in Ohio earlier this year. And, um, I'm already booked to do some this, this coming summer. So long as, uh, things, stay open. So, uh, but that to me has been like just as fun as doing the book itself. Mm, very good. I want to share a business concept with you guys. Of course, we're going to do this. I'm going to share a business concept with you. Now, I just uh, was given this metaphor uh, from watching a video the other day. So it's very recent. And so it makes a lot of sense. So I want you guys to look at the book as the hub, the hub of a wheel. It's your pillar content. It's your best calling card. It's the ultimate destination for all the things that you do. And then there's these spokes that come out of the hub of the wheel that support it and keep everything together and they support each other. So the spokes could be uh, the the brushes that you've created and you could sell those separately. I already am. And you're like, if you, oh, okay, perfect. Yep. And then there's the audiobook, and then there's the talks mm -hmm. and the how you launch a Kickstarter project blog post. And then there's the line of merch and stickers and everything that you can think of just that the more spokes, the better because each one drives it to the hub. Mm -hmm. And then the hub drives it back out. And it's a wonderful ecosystem. If we we're talking business, it would be a business ecosystem. Now, I thought that one of the best examples of this is Martha Stewart. So Martha Stewart uh, does a show and she writes cookbooks and she has a catering business or she used to. And then she has housewares. And then the books sell the TV show, which sells the books, which sells the house goods. And it's just this perfect thing that just keeps going around kind of like in infinity. Mm hmm so if you look at your business like that, it's pretty cool when you start to design things that all work uh, in, in that kind of in that cohesive way. So, OK, great. It sounds like you guys are doing all the kinds of the right things. So for some people who are listening to this, this might spark an idea in them. Look for your pillar content. Look for all the parts that you can break away from this. Uh, I'm just curious. 
have you taken pages of the book or assets or characters or just components and posted those on social? Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. And what's been the reception to that? Lots of likes and shares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they ever follow through? Like, hey, I, I need to get this thing. They haven't really been things per se yet. So they've basically just been illustrations, uh, just kind of showing yeah. the work. But we haven't really mm-hmm. offered anything besides the book and a couple of rewards. But I like the idea of sticker packs and some other things that we could kind of uh, create in that in that world. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm sure you guys can come up with some super creative ideas just to kind of extend that universe out a little bit. Like your your whole blanket bandana thing was like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, the, 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 Beth, the questions that you came up with the, to write the letter to the chinchilla or the questions for teachers or parents to ask their kids about it. So the, the book lives on. So I, I love picture books too. And uh, I have some kind of nostalgic fondness for them because when I was growing up, I was like looking at these things. I just love the smell of the paper, the way the, the sound of the pages folding. And, and maybe I had some really great teachers too who like, you know, when I was just a little dude, gather around and she'd open up the book and she'd read it to us. And it just like felt like it came to life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a fondness for that. And in, in this time where everything's moving towards digital, I think it's kind of, kind of a nice throwback. Like t- tangible analog things are still very precious to us. So I want to encourage you guys to keep doing this. I'd love to hear about the third book that you're probably already doing because the trilogy is always nice, right? You know, it is. You always have to finish that. But <laughs> come when anytime we come right off the Kickstarter campaign, it's like, let's just yeah. take a breather now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we feel like we just ran a marathon. To be completely honest, I hear you. I but hear no, we, we there is there is one. There is a third book uh, that's been written. So uh, we that's that's kind of been our intention all along. So maybe at some point we'll be able right. to do that. Right there, it just makes sense for the box set. I'm just thinking in threes that way, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many emotions people have that that you need to relate to and understand. So I always yeah. think it's valuable. Okay, so uh, I'm almost out of time here. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about before we have to say goodbye? I would say the crux of what this has taught us is that there may be something that you really, really, really want to do, and it might not necessarily make sense, uh, and it might not even be something that you you know, see as being this, this massive entrepreneurial thing, but putting it out there and just seeing what happens is really encouraging, especially when people come through for you. And that's been really, really, really encouraging for us. Uh, On the first book, we got funded in five days. We had set some money aside, fully intending to push it across the finish line if we had to, and we got funded in five days. So that was really exciting for us. Um, So I would just encourage people, if you've got a great idea and it's something that you feel like it's inside you, you need, need to get it out, get it out, like put it out there. Yeah, and don't be discouraged if it takes some time. Like you were saying that example of your book, like you had a moment, it didn't feel right, and now you've found yourself in a different place where things are clicking and it makes more sense and it's better. I think for me, working with Ben on the book, I wasn't sure if it was ever going to happen and I had to wait, but in the end, I'm so glad I did. I can't imagine this book looking any different than it does. It's perfect for what I wanted. And it, I think it was totally worth the wait. So I can say that now being on the other side of the wait, where it's actually come to fruition. But 
just don't get discouraged if things aren't clicking right away because someday they will click if it is a good idea and you don't give up on it. Right. I think a good idea is like this giant pimple. Eventually it's going to come out one way or the other and just let it go. (laughs) There you go. Ignore it. It's fine. I love it. (laughs) There's a visual for you guys. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys a question and I want you to like, I'm going to ask the same question of both of you. So Jeremy, you're going to go first and then Beth. And I want a one word answer. Okay. And I want you to say it like as fast as you could say it. And I want you to think about it too much. That's why I have to do this preamble. So are you guys ready? Yeah. Not a very good question. So Jeremy, you're going to go first. And then as soon as you finish, Beth, you're going to say it, say your answer. Okay. What has doing this book done for you in one word? Joy. Joy is also my word, Jeremy. (laughs) I'm glad I got to go first. I've I've seen a look other than a smile on Beth's face. I'm just saying. Okay, so both it's brought joy to you. This is fantastic. Okay, now where can people go to order the book? Uh, Either either book or is where do they go? HappyCargoBooks.com. HappyCargoBooks.com. Yes. Is that your own URL? Yes, we actually started a official company just so we could publish these books and so we knew when we did the first one that we'd likely have a second coming and so we didn't want it to make it chinupchinchilla.com so we mm-hmm. we branded a company and created happy cargo books well thank you guys very much for coming on the show thank you again for having us we really appreciate it uh beth it sounds like you're you're dealing with a little cough too and uh guys let's just stay safe right now it's crazy <laughs> just out stay there. indoors okay yeah. Don't touch anything. As much as possible. That's right. <laughs> and wash your hands 30 times today. That's right. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Chris. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Beth. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to The Future. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to the future and want to know more about our educational mission, visit thefuture.com. You'll find more podcast episodes, hundreds of YouTube videos, and a growing collection of online courses and products covering design and business. Oh, and we spell the future with no E. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. This episode was mixed and edited by Anthony Barrow with intro music by Adam Sanborn. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes. It's a tremendous help in getting our message out there. And, you know, let's us know what you like. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.